Right, open up to Isaiah 61. I, I feel like the Lord... Um, <laughs> I felt like the Lord... So, so let, me, let me backtrack. The language we use is, is really important. And, and we've kind of developed our own little language here at our church. <laughs> this came out of, goodness, I can't even remember how many years ago, but it was right after the Coxes moved here. We, we were talking and... and and Tatum said, we're not a church and we're not a family, we're a revival family. And, and she just spoke that out. And I, I don't even remember what it was. It was probably 18, 19 months ago. I preached a series called Revival Family. And I felt like the Lord told me this week to just revisit that because language is important. And so it's not, it wasn't something that was just catchy that we used at that time because we thought it would be a cool sermon series title. I actually like despise that. I do. I do. We do sermon series because I hope it helps you remember what we're actually talking about. That's the only reason why I do it. But the Lord said, the Lord said, language is important, Michael. And he reminded me of this. And I think it's going to give context for, for where we are and where we're headed. Obviously, where we're headed, we're, we're becoming a house of prayer. But, but we don't pray just so we can pray. We pray so that, so that the tangible manifest presence of God is among us without having to even work up to it, right? And so like a Tuesday morning at 7 a.m. when no one's here, if someone, we're, our prayer is if someone comes on the parking lot of the shopping center that they sense that God is here because we have done such a good job of stewarding his presence, okay? And so, so that's like, that's our heart. So, so we don't pray just to pray. We, we pray because he responds. As we draw near to God, he draws near to us. Okay, and so we do that. And then there's this teaching and equipping that that I really like. I view this more and more Sunday mornings as really truly equipping the saints. And so we have our presence, the time in the presence throughout the week, and we do in our worship time here. But on Sunday morning, what I feel like is I'm like handing you all ammunition to live out your day to day life. Okay, I'm you're getting what you're needing to live this stuff out. Like the idea of just, like the idea of saying, I want to preach a new sermon so that you can go home and say that he did really good or he went really long or whatever. Like that doesn't mean anything to me anymore. What I want to do is give, I hope you like it. <laughs> and I guess if you quit coming, that probably says something. But, but I believe that what we're doing is giving you the tools that we need to live out this lifestyle day in and day out. Okay. Oh, this is getting weak there. Won't step there. <laughs> Isaiah 61 says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the vengeance of our in the day of vengeance of our God. And right here, we actually just sang this, and I didn't know that you all were doing that song today. But to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning 
the mantle of praise instead of the spirit of fainting. So, so it, you're, you're able to praise instead of living in depression is what that really means. And, 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 and so they, right here, what's so important. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, so that he may be glorified. Then they will rebuild. Then they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will raise up the former devastations. They will repair the ruined cities, the desolations, of many generations. Okay, so so like obviously this is what Jesus stood up and read when he walked into the temple. He walked in on a day that this passage wasn't supposed to be read. Jesus comes in and he opens up the scroll to Isaiah chapter 61 and he said, this is talking about me. Now we understand that today he lives inside of us and so this call was for Jesus but I also believe because it says that this is for Zion, this is for his church, if you will, all right? And so, so when we read this, this is our job description here on the earth. Now, now I believe this, and, and I want to kind of give an indictment, and then I'm going to give the solution. I, I believe what has happened is that we oftentimes stop short of what God has intended for us. And so we do this, that we, we've, we've received the anointing, right? The Lord's came, we've received a touch from God, or, or, or we received the good news. We've, we've prayed the prayer of faith and accepted Jesus into our hearts, Romans 10, right? We've prayed the prayer of faith, and we thought... It's good, I'm done, right? And I punched my tick, I'm going to heaven. Like, we, we, we stop right there, or we receive healing in a moment. We receive healing for our broken hearts, or in a moment, we get set free of whatever we were struggling with, and, and we, end up, we end up walking in it for two, three, four, five, six months, but then something happens, our circumstances change, and we walk right back to the thing that the Lord has set us free from. And it's, it's not just us. I think this is just the church in general. So we've gotten this first part down, right? Uh, uh, and even sometimes we even get to the point where we're able to minister and see others set free because we have been set free. Matthew 10, 7, 8, freely we have received. Now we freely give. And we believe that this is the day the Lord has made and we're going to rejoice and be glad in it because Jesus is the person of Jubilee. So, so we can be excited and passionate. And, and, and then like all of these things are are crucial and all these things are necessary but if we stop right there we're missing out on probably 90% of the Christian life we're missing out on the Christian life and and like and now don't don't misinterpret me or misunderstand me it's important to give our life to Jesus but if all I ever do is march down to an altar and say I'm a sinner would you save me by your grace if it stops there man we've missed the point and I believe that if we stop there it creates a cycle of I'm on fire I'm on fire I'm on fire I feel like a dirty rotten scoundrel or whatever like it just creates this cycle over and over and over and over again and I'm not pointing any finger I've done it before I've asked you all this like like I can't tell you how many times I came down to an altar and asked Jesus to save me or I can't before it finally stuck on July 15 2007 right I can't tell you how many times I asked the Lord to deliver me of nicotine and before it finally stuck right I can't tell you how many times 
times that, that I asked the Lord to take anger from my heart before it finally stuck. Like, I'd come and feel like, man, I got set free today. And two days later, something happens, and I'm like, oh, I'm mattered in fire, right? I mean, that's what happens. We have these perpetual cycles. And when we have these perpetual cycles, we never establish what the Lord wants us to establish. Sure, we have great church services. We have great church services. We have, we have people get saved and sanctified and set free. We have altars full and we go, man, that was a good service. And like, I love those things. But I believe the Lord is beginning to transition his church out of that mindset that like that's the epitome of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And again, I'm not downplaying the importance of this stuff. This stuff is crucial. I just think this is the foundation. Because Jesus came and he said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He preached the kingdom. The problem is is that we're only preaching the gospel of salvation because we don't mature enough to be able to receive news of the kingdom. And so that when we go somewhere, like if, if you all go somewhere across the country and teach and preach, preach the gospel of kingdom, or if I do it and, and people think you guys are absolutely nuts, we've never heard anything like that. And it's because we keep living in this cycle. And so it's like, how can I get my people back on fire for God? How can I get the church back on fire for how can I do this again and the Lord he's looking to build something amongst a group of people and like listen I want this thing to grow I think like right now I'm thankful for where we are I'm not despising the days of small beginnings I think it's too small but 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 I believe the Lord wants to actually establish something and if we can establish something, it brokers forth, really, the kingdom of heaven here on earth. It brings forth reformation to the land, and we need reformation in the land. We need reformation in the United States of America. We don't need better legislation. We don't need better politicians, right? We don't need, we don't need any of those things. What we need is the kingdom of heaven to, uh, to come here and man itself. Man of, no. So, so, so if that's the issue, and I believe, I, I love it, the Lord hijacked this morning, okay? The very first time Brett gave an altar call and people's up here getting set free, right? Praise God. My prayer is that you don't have to come back and be set free from the exact same thing the Lord just touched you from. Now, if you do, there's grace. There's great, there is grace, and there's grace more than we could understand. So don't fall into guilt, shame, or condemnation if you fall back into whatever it was. But I'm saying you don't have to. And my prayer would be that we say, this is what God did in my heart, now what do I do with it? Because we're really good saying you need Him, but now what do we do that now that He lives inside of me? Okay. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's like if you, if you give me, I've gotten better over the years, especially since we moved to Kentucky with power tools. But 10 years ago, if you give me a power tool, I'd be like, what the heck is this? That was like the first time when I used to work with my grandfather. And this will make me look stupid. That's okay. But when I first looked, worked with my grandfather, we were working. He used to rebuild houses, rebuild houses, and he gave me a nail gun. And, and he said, put the trim up. And I kept like trying to nail the trim in. And I hear ping, ping. Ping, ping, and then I heard, ow! And I'm like, what is going on? And my grandpa starts yelling at me because apparently I had the nail gun backwards and it was shooting it behind me. (laughs) 
I've only heard my, I've only heard my papa say bad words twice in my life, and that was one of them. <laughs> a lot of us, we get Jesus in our heart, and we have no clue what to do with it then. And, and really, that's an indictment on us as ministry leaders. That's not your fault. That's us as pastors. That's the, that's the apostles, prophets, shepherds, teachers, evangelists. That's our fault. But I believe the Lord is starting to change this. So, 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 so what do we do? How, how, how do we stop cycles of dysfunction? Okay, one of April's favorite phrases, I'm not going to nurture dysfunction. All right. Sometimes when you don't nurture dysfunction, some people get upset. And, oh, I don't like what you said, but it's not because we're trying to be mean. It's because we want that thing to get broken off of your life. Okay. All right. So, so, so here's that progression of scripture. It then says in verse four, so then they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Who will be called an oak of righteousness? <laughs> Who will be called an oak of righteousness? The one that he took the spirit of mourning away from. The one that had the broken heart. Those are the ones that he establishes as oaks of righteousness. So those of you that the Lord touched you today, the thing that you were wrestling with, that's no longer who you are. You're now actually an oak of righteousness, and that's your new job title. The problem is we've never told you that's who you are. It's like you're, you're, you're the person that struggles with anger, but he took it away. You're, you're the per- it's like what we do in the Bible. One of my favorite ministers talks about this stuff all the time. It's like, it's like, and we even do it in like the Bible subheadings, right? Like we, we call her the woman with the issue of blood. She's no longer the woman with the issue of blood because she's been touched, right? It's not, we call him blind Bartimaeus. He's no longer blind. His first name's not blind, and his second name's not Bartimaeus, right? Like we identify people as their previous dysfunction we 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 talk about the the woman that was leaned over right for all those years she's no longer the woman that was leaned over burdened by life she's the woman that jesus restored see see the problem is we identify people instead of oaks of righteousness we call them who they used to be in their sin and we may not say that out loud but we say that with our words our thoughts and our deeds and in some of us we say that's who i'm always going to be even though jesus touched me and we never step into the revelation i'm actually an oak of righteousness no more i was blind but now i actually see therefore i no longer operate as a blind person i operate as a person that can see does this make sense So they'll be called oaks of righteousness. Here's what's amazing. Oak trees. Googled them <laughs> because that's how I roll. I didn't use Wikipedia, though. I used peer scholarly reviewed articles. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Some of you youngsters have no clue. But <laughs> anyway, oaks of righteousness. Oaks, it, it, it means a mighty large tree. It's not like a sapling. He says, you're a mighty large tree that's defined by the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The planting of the Lord. Planting means garden plot. It means vineyard land. Planting of the Lord actually means the place where the water touches. It's like the place of the nutrients. So he calls you, he calls you oaks of righteousness. Here's some, here's some oak tree facts. 
Oak trees can grow up to be 148 foot tall. The oldest one is actually in Minden, Louisiana. It's 1,500 years old, they think. Okay, so it can grow up to 148 foot tall. I actually think that's a prophetic picture of a city on a hill. Okay, they can live up to 1,000 years. I said that one lived up to, to 1,500 years. It's currently still alive in Louisiana. I think that's a picture of generational legacy that what we're doing right now will far outlive us. And so it'll outlive us and our kids and our grandkids and your spiritual kids and your spiritual grandkids. And because that's another indictment is because we have lived for so many years for ourselves, not planning, like, I, I think this, I think we should live our life like Jesus is coming back tomorrow, but I think we should plan like it's going to be another 500 years. Because if we don't, we just say, to hell with everyone else that's coming after us. What I want is important. And that's not what the Lord wants, okay? The other thing is that oak trees, the roots, not only do they go deep with the taproot, but the roots go four to seven times wider than the top of the tree. So, so, so if the top of the tree is this big, then, then it's going to be, the root system is going to be four to seven times wider than that. And I actually think that's a picture of influence, what the Lord wants to do. Because if you get established as an oak of righteousness, the Lord actually wants to use you, little old you, to bring forth influence for the kingdom of God. And it may just be as simple as you may never preach a sermon, but you may preach a sermon with your day-to-day life and you start to influence your co-workers, your neighbors, the, the person that waits on you at Chewy's, right? Or whoever, like, like I'm just, like you're going to get influence for the kingdom of God. But if those roots do not get established, it never ever happens. And then you stop it. I'm just a sinner saved by grace and I'm wrestling with all my stuff and my issues and or or I subscribe to issues over and over and over, right? It's got so much stuff going on. And not to make you feel guilty, I'm just saying the Lord has better things for you. Sometimes oak trees, they grow side by side, and you all know this. I think I've probably referenced this part before, but the root system even grafts into each other. It's like here's a tree and here's a tree. And because they grew four to seven times up bigger than the canopy of the tree, this tree's roots and this tree's roots grew together to where they actually became one. And I think that's a prophetic picture of we're better together or the people that's in this room with you right now, we begin to live our life like I can't live my life without the people in this room when I start to get weak and I start to get weary that this the nutrients that are being drawn by this root system or this person they start to speak life into me and saying you can do this you can move on you can you can be you need to be strong or or that's not who you are this is actually who you are until I get nursed back to health now here (laughs) oak trees over the course of their life, they produce over 10 million acorns. Now, conversely, what's scary is that globally, oak trees, they estimate, they estimate that, that within 150 years, it's likely that there won't be a single oak tree on the planet. Even though that the ones that are existing grow 10 million acorns. I think that's a picture of our responsibility to give away what Jesus has done in our heart. That's actually cultural Christianity, if you want to know the truth. 
That's consumeristic Christianity. Me, 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 what can you do for me? Rather than saying, this is what you've done for me, now let you use me. Or here I am, send me. One and this is what's wild too. And, and so if they produce 10 million acorns, only one in 10,000 actually begin to get into the ground because animals eat them, all these types of things. But, but only one in 10,000 actually begins to get into the ground and live to be a tree of 20 to 30 years old. One in 10,000, which I think is a picture of narrow is the gate. Narrow is the gate, broad is the road, right? Or narrow is the gate and, and broad is the road. And this is what's amazing too, is that it takes 20 to 30 years. So an oak tree can be planted in the ground and it takes 20 to 30 years for that thing to grow up to the point to where it's even able to produce an acorn. Okay. Which would mean it takes 20 to 30 years before it's able to reproduce. I think that is a picture of maturation in the body of Christ. It's being willing, like, listen, if we never, if all we ever do is we enter into the cycle and we never get planted by the Lord, we never actually bear the fruit the Lord wants us to bear. This has been the hardest lesson that I have learned since I've been in Kentucky. I'm someone that likes new things. I actually crave new things. I get bored. I'm someone that want, you know, whether it's new, new careers, new jobs, new, new, historically it's been new churches. We do it, do it, do it, and then we move on. Next new exciting thing. And, and what if it's not always about newer, bigger, and better, but what if it's actually about saying, I'm going to plant myself right here and see what happens and believe that I'm going to... I, for an acorn to produce a forest, that acorn has to be willing to die and be buried in the ground. I've been asking myself this week, Lord, what does it look like for me to die here? And what will spring up from my willingness to die? Some of us have done that. Some of us don't wrestle with that, and I get it. But we need to become the planting of the Lord. All this really originated with this. Like, like this week has been quite possibly one of the hardest weeks personally we, we've had in a long time. And I'll tell you that to make you feel sorry for me, I tell, or for us. I tell you that because this is just the truth. It's like you ever had one of those weeks where it's like, this goes wrong, this goes wrong, this goes wrong. And it's like, oh my goodness, can I catch a break? So I was on the phone. I can't even remember what day it was. I'd, I'd spent the day, did stuff. And in the last phone call I had, it may have been Monday. I can't remember. The last phone call I had that day was with Melissa and, and my phone quit working, which doesn't, it's a big deal. It's a stinking phone. Well, the last one was almost paid off. I was excited it was going to fall off my bill, right? <laughs> I was. I was just excited about it. And, and, uh, and, and she's talking. I can't hear. And so I put it on speaker, and I could hear her, but it sounded like Charlie Brown's like teacher, like, oh, 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 oh Jesus, oh, 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 Jesus. Uh, like, that's what I could hear. <laughs> That's what I could hear. And so I had to go get a new phone, which, again, doesn't sound like a big deal. 
but I go into the place and, and like, I hate getting new phones. I hate going to AT&T. I hate it. Like, I would rather go to the DMV, okay? Like, I just, like, I can't stand it because I don't like to be sold. I don't like to be pitched. I don't like to be talked to. Like, I don't know what I'm talking. I just don't like it. I'm like, this is what I want. I don't want to just give it to me. That's the way I felt. But I go there, and, like, they, they treated me like I was the most important person they'd ever seen. Wow. And so I came in, like, defensive. I came in defensive, like, you're not going to get me. You're not going to get me, right? <laughs> And they start treating me good. And we start going through this thing, and they're showing me how they're going to save me money and do all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm paying for all kinds of stuff I didn't know I shouldn't be paying for. And like, like basically, there's going to save us all kinds of money over the next few years. And I was just blown away. And she says, do you want a new phone number? Now, that's not a big deal to most of you, but we've had the same phone number for almost nine years, and it was a Corpus Christi phone number. Corpus Christi, that was a hard assignment for us, but that was my favorite place I've lived because up to that time because we lived by the ocean. And like, if I didn't have anything going on in the office, I'd go down to the beach and I'd read my Bible on the beach. I mean, that's pretty stinking good. She said, you want a new phone number? And I immediately said, nope, I'm good. I know my phone number. 361-945-3596. Go ahead and call it, Internet. That one's gone. (laughs) But... (laughs) So, so I, well, technically, I own it for another th- for 90 days, and then I'll deactivate that line. But anyway, but I can't get anything from it. And she starts doing her stuff, and the Lord convicted me. And again, it sounds really silly, but all this, this will make sense, okay? He convicted me and said, Michael. And I'm like, the lady's working, and she's went on far enough that, like, I shouldn't have said, can you please give me the new phone number? You know, because it was by this time it was inconveniencing her. And because of all the social distancing, they were letting one person in the building per customer service rep. So there's a line outside waiting on me to finish. And I said, could you, could you go ahead and give me a, a 502 area code phone number, one from, one from Kentucky? And she said, I can, but I got to start over on some stuff. I'm like, it's really important. I shouldn't have told you no. And so she changes it. We go through the deal, and I go back out into my car. And the first thing I do is I text April, and I said, I got a new number. This is, save it. This is your husband. <laughs> you know, it's not some random guy saying I love you when he texts, right? <laughs> the Lord told me. He said, it's about time. I said, what do you mean? He said, you're finally letting me plant you here. It wasn't like we weren't, we hadn't been itching to go. Like that hadn't been there. We've had opportunities. I'm not going to lie. Like we've had phone calls. We've been getting a lot of phone calls. People, you want to come back? You want to come do this? You want to come plant the church? You want to come pastor two churches? You've done it before. You want to come do all this stuff? And like they've been quote-unquote, good offers on paper. Stuff that years ago we'd have been like, yes, (laughs) wonderful building, wonderful, like all these fleshy things that make sense. 
And the Lord said, I'm planting you here. We keep saying no because we believe what the Lord is doing here is much bigger than what you see in this room. And I believe what the Lord's doing here is going to be much bigger than, I think it'll eventually be bigger than what we see, okay? But, but, but I believe what the Lord is doing here is he's calling people to get planted and rooted and grounded in what he is doing here on the earth. And, the, and, and like we could do what we're doing and experience wonderful things. But if we want to see the region transformed, it's going to take some of us saying, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm planting myself right here and I'm not moving from this spot. Now, and, and I happen to believe this, that, that what the Lord will do, if we say, I'm going to get planted, and, and some of us can really relate because we hop from job to job or we, we move from car to car. We move from new thing to new thing. Like we, we do these types of things. But if we can really get planted or, or if we can say stuff like this, like the old traditional saying, the old proverbial, like the grass is always greener on the other side. It, it's not always greener. In fact, it's just a different shade of green and it has all its own unique sets of problems and issues. But if we could get planted and work through those things, what could the Lord build? What root system could he develop? It's a, it's, a picture of, it's a picture of Psalm 1 that says this, that, that how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but is the light and is on the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night, and he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, and he will yield fruit in its season, which means perpetually. It's a picture of Ezekiel 47, and it's the same picture that's in the book of Revelation about the trees that yield fruit, which are for the healing of the nations it's just getting planted and it's the hardest thing I've ever done because it's not what Perkinses do it's not I think it's what Perkinses have always wanted to do we just didn't have the guts to do it Things get hard and you change. You move on. There's an argument. You move on. Someone disagrees. You get your feelings hurt. You start praying multiple times a week and all hell breaks loose. You decide we're going after the presence of the Lord and people that you love dearly leave. Like, it's easy to be like, all right, well, I'm, I'm starting over. I'm doing something fresh. And get to that same point to where we were again and start over and start over. And I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that at all. I believe what the Lord wants to do in this place is if we can get so planted. I wrote this on Facebook the other day, and sometimes people accuse me of just being pie in the sky or trying to do stuff for hearts likes. And it's like, I don't care two cents about that. I think it's stupid. I do. I'm sharing what the Lord put on my heart. Whatever. <laughs> I felt like the Lord said if we can get planted, that He'll touch the world from this little place right here. Because there will be people that move here. 
there have been people that have moved here. And there'll be people who get called out like Pastor Milton that's down in Reber. Because he got planted here, now the Lord can use him there for the deep work that God did in him and Rita's heart. I know I brought that up last two weeks ago, but I just think it's really, really significant. Okay, there'll be people that come and go because that's the call of God. But if there's a company of people that say, I'm getting rooted, I'm getting planted right here. And, and I've rattled this off before when I taught Psalm 1 a few years ago, but they will be like a tree planted. Planted, that word means transplant, which insinuates that, that it was planted right here, but it decided that there wasn't enough nutrients or water or whatever it is in the soil. And it says, I was right here, and I'm going to make the intentional decision to get planted right here next to that stream of water. And it's saying that I know that for us, for us, all intents and purposes, like the presence of God is here. And I'm going to get planted right here in this region because this is what God is doing. I could go do other things and, and we could go do other things, make names for ourselves, do this, that, or the other. But I'm going to get planted right here because someone needs to. You look at where the Lord's moving on the earth right now, and, and some of these aren't all in our stream and our tribe, but, but I, I look at what God's done in, in Kansas City, Missouri with IHOP or International House of Prayer and, 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 a, and a man named Mike Bickles given his life to praying and interceding for revival on the earth for over two decades in one spot. And he could have done whatever he's wanted to do. I look what's going on in California. I look what's going on in Dallas, Fort Worth. And it's hungry men and women of God saying, I don't want to just attend a church. I want to be part of something that changes the globe. And, and, and rather than me going all over the place and working myself to a frenzy, it's saying I'm going to get planted right here. So practically, it means getting planted in the Lord's presence, not just at church, but in your day-to-day -day life. It's living a life of proximity, if you will. It's standing firm when things get hard. It's, it's going deeper into what we talked about again a few years ago. All this old language we've used is coming back to me. It's that, it's that getting seated, not moving. It's that Psalm 4610, be still and know that I'm God. It's sinking down and sitting in the Lord's presence, knowing that he's God and he's going to fulfill his intended purposes here on the earth it's letting our roots grow deep and here's here's the results of being planted this is what's mind-boggling to me thank you lord six they will rebuild who will rebuild the oaks of righteousness they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They'll raise up the former devastations. They'll repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Who will rebuild? They will. It, it's, it's who are they? Those who have matured to the point that says, I'm no longer going to live in this cycle. And if I get out of the cycle, I'm going to get right. If, if I, I'm no longer going to live in this cycle, I'm going to get planted. But if something happens and I get unplanted, I'm going to get planted again. That's who is trusted to bring forth cultural reformation. That's who's trusted to bring forth societal change. It's not those who say, I'm going to have good church service. It's those who say, I'm here and while I am here, I'm planting myself and I'm giving my life to this thing because I believe that if I can get planted, it's the most impactful thing that I can possibly do. They'll rebuild. They'll make something new. They will build, establish. That actually means they're actually allowed to procreate. 
28. If you get planted, you're allowed to have babies. If you get planted, right, that's why a lot of weight. That's like why a lot in this generation is waiting to have children because they're going all around the world. They're doing all these things. They haven't settled down. And I believe the Lord's looking for a church that says, I'm going to settle down and I'm going to wait or I'm going to get to the point to where I can begin to move forward. He says that they'll rebuild the ancient ruins, the things that were built long ago. They will raise up. They will get people to stand up. They'll raise up the former devastations. Devastations means the desolate, to, to be destitute, to be laid waste, to be, to be ravaged, um, 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 and to be deserted. And then it goes on. I'm going to go through these words real quick. They'll, they'll repair the ruined cities. Repair means renew, reaffirm, and broker forth restoration. Does not the city of Louisville, does not the city of, of, of like LaGrange or Shelbyville or E-Town or Shepherdsville, do they not need restoration and renewal released in that? What if it's all of us are strategically planted around this region because we start living planted in the presence of the Lord and we start to release what God has done in our hearts at the grocery stores, in our neighborhoods, in our families, and the next thing you know, a great move of God comes because we said, I am here. I'm going to grow deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. I'm not going to pay attention to culture or Christianity. I'm not going to pay attention to the latest trends. I'm going to be a man of prayer. I'm going to be a woman of prayer. I'm going to be a man or a woman of fasting. I'm going to be a man or a woman of the word. I'm going to be a man or a woman of his presence. Like that's what brings forth transformation. And then it says they will repair the ruined cities. What's ruined mean? This is mind-boggling to me. Ruin means, ruin quite literally means this. The ruined cities means the burning sun making a body hot. It means dryness and it means lack of moisture. And so it's insinuating that we repair the places that have no moisture. What does moisture represent in the Bible? When the cloud would come by day and lead the people of Israel, there was this cloud. It represents the presence of God. And so what we do is we restore the presence of God in our day-to-day lives because we said, I'm getting planted. Not go to, not, not, I need you to pray this prayer so you can go to heaven, right? And that's important and that's, in, that's important that needs to be done. But it's so much more than that. It's, listen, He lives inside of me, right? The same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead now quickens my own mortal body. He lives inside of me. Everywhere I go, He goes. Everywhere He leads me, I go. And everywhere I go, someone has the opportunity to have an encounter with Him because I'm releasing the presence of God. It's like... I, th- I think Louisville, ne- Louisville metro area is in a drought. <laughs> it's in a drought because of an absence of the presence of God. It's like, how do we, 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 don't, we, we don't fix the city's issues by writing prescriptions for the city. We don't fix the city's issues by saying, do this. We don't even fix the issue. I think we should vote for Christians in political offices, but we don't fix the issues by having the right people with the right whatever theology in positions. We fix what's going on in our city by way of releasing of the presence of God in our day-to-day life. And you don't even have to think, it's not even like... 
I saw a meme the other day, like the Care Bear stare. That's what the world needs. Like, whoo, whatever that is. I think what we do, what we do, how we fix it is simply by loving the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind and all of our strength, not just in this building, but our day-to-day life. That's what he's looking for, man. And we can get planted. He'll trust us with a degree of presence that will be unmistakable. He'll begin to trust us with a degree of presence that is tangible, that is that Shekinah, it's weighty, it's measurable, and it brokers forth transformation here in this area. This is the call. This is the mandate. This is what real revival looks like. I love revival services, but that's not revival. That's a good service. Revival is us living in covenant relationship with Jesus, with a company of people day in and day out and seeing more and more people coming to the family. I don't think, I want you to hear this. I don't think we have to take a city. I don't think we even have to win a city. I understand what we mean when we say that. Psalm 2.8 says, Ask of me and I will surely give you the nations as your inheritance. What if we do everything that we're doing, but rather than trying to do it to grow something, we say, Lord, this is for your honor and your glory. Would you go ahead and give it to us? Because we're not going to steal the credit. I don't want to take anything from the Lord. I want the Lord to give it to me. I don't want to take a city. I want the Lord to give it to me. I don't want to take a region. I want the Lord to give me a region. It's like, it's like, well, who are you all? I don't know. I'm just his son. He goes, you finally get it. Here you go. Here you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop there. I have a lot more. And I was thinking about when April and I got away. I was thinking about when April got away a few months ago and the pastor. I knew what he meant, but I don't think I know what it meant until right now. But the pastor of this church said, I've given you enough. I'm going to be here next week. I'm not coming in flying by way. I'm like, I'm, I'm still going to preach revivals as part of my call. But I'm not, I'm not here for three days and leaving town. I'll be back next week. <laughs> Saying. So I can share the rest of it next week. I know you guys, like, you, y'all is crazy. <laughs> you guys are nuts sometimes. In a good way. You're peculiar, and that's biblical term. You're one that solely belongs to another. Like, I, I know, like some of you are like, he talked about, what did your pastor preach on? Getting a new cell phone number and, and trees. But that's right. It's a lot more than that. And, and you all have sacrificed and given so much and are just like, this is, this is home. And, but I wonder if there's any ounce of restlessness that the Lord would like to deal with. Any ounce of, you know what? 
I'm planted in certain things. I'm planted in certain things, but occasionally there's something that I, I fall right back into that cycle. Then I need the Lord to do this and this and this and this, and I never quite get. You never let your roots grow deep. And I'm not saying any of this because I know any of you. That's the heart. By the way, it's sometimes when you start hearing things from the Lord, it's easier to be with a bunch of people that you don't know because they don't they know that I don't know them, and so they must think it's really the Lord. But sometimes when I'm with you all, I think, well, they, I know their stories, and I don't want them to think I'm, like, doing stuff. But some of us have been scared to death to get rooted, planted. Some of us have been really afraid because of you, you've tried it before and someone let you down, someone hurts you. Whether it's in a church and there was some form of spiritual abuse or whether it was even with your own just biological families, that they just, they just let you down. Or something, you go and you're on fire for the Lord and someone says something and it just sets off a chain reaction and you go right back to where you started to begin with. What, what if, what if today... What if today is the day that the Lord just says, no more? What if today is the day the Lord gives you a new phone number? What if today is the day that he gives you, it's like, you know what? That was well in my past. And I know the likelihood of me ever moving back there is like below 0%. And so it's, it's time to just quit having that in my face all the time whatever it is I believe the Lord would just like to take us deep so I'm going to pray and if you need to respond if you need to, like you've responded all day if you need to turn your chair into an altar if you need to come and kneel around the front if you want to stand if you just want to I don't I don't care but I want to pray that we start to grow these roots and get planted like I should say this because I know we have a lot of, all six of our students now have expressed calls to ministry and we have a lot of people in here that have calls to ministry for the rest of their life and so I don't say this because I know your situations, I say this because I was the guy that was called at 25 years old and this stuff used to make me squirm when it's time to go the Lord will send you time to go, the Lord will confirm it in His Word. He'll confirm it through mothers and fathers who disciple and speak into you. He'll confirm it in your heart. And you think, well, I don't know if I can get planted because this may be on the horizon. I say get planted anyway. I say get planted anyway rather than hope. Don't waste years of your life thinking something else is around the corner and it never comes. And you think, man, what would have happened if I just got planted in that current situation? That only applied to a handful in here, but I, I can tell you that's probably been the most important thing for me to learn. Because eventually you will go and you'll take what the Lord has done in your heart in this season. And it may be Africa, it may be 
Australia. It may be Elizabethtown, Kentucky, right down the road. <laughs> right? Or maybe Shelbyville. I don't know. But what the Lord has done in your heart, you take that and you say, all right, the Lord's called me here. I'm planting it right here. If you're not in ministry, some of you may actually get new job opportunities one day and, and you feel like the Lord called you to go. And you take what the Lord has done in your heart. And if it's across the country, if it's to a neighboring town, you plant that sucker right there and you go deep. What if we stopped living with, I just want to keep all my options open. What if we just say, this is the only thing I have and we'll give everything to it. So Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing in the room. I would pray, Lord, that those in the room, that you give a grace to just get planted. I pray that you would take us deeper than we've ever been. I pray, Lord, that we really would live into our identity as oaks of righteousness. And by the way, you don't, you don't have to work up to become an oak of righteousness. You actually grow in maturation. But the moment that he delivers you through all those things that we started off in Isaiah chapter 61, all those things that Jesus does, once he does that, he labels you as an oak of righteousness. And so, Lord, if you've made us oaks, help us to go deeper than we've ever been. Help us to get planted. Help us to not get distracted by the storms that rage around us. Help us, Lord, when all the other trees are blowing over because the wind came or, or, or because of, of, of whatever happened, God. May we be the trees that are left standing, God. May we, Lord, when it feels like everything is dry and parched, may we send, grow our roots so deep that we hit that hidden reservoir. May we hit that secret pocket of water that's in the secret place, Lord. I would pray, Lord, for any restlessness. I think there's two kinds of restlessness. Really three. One's a lack of faith. One is we're restless because we're not willing to plant. And another's restlessness because the Lord has called us to do something and we haven't done it because we're fighting it. But I would pray right now, Lord, that those that are experiencing restlessness, I pray, Lord, that whatever that thing is, you just let's just get seated in your presence. Let's get planted today, God. I would say those that are really wanting things to happen, and even myself included, I would pray, God, that we don't try to make things happen, but we just yield to you and embrace the process of growth. I don't want to be a microwave church that expects 60-second results, God. Lord, we're in this for the long haul. We're in this for the long haul. And it's scary because most of us have no clue what that looks like. I even say this to those that are older, (laughs) that that you, you may not have as many years as some of us left to, but eventually you're going to be in a great cloud of witnesses and you're going to be cheering the rest of us on. So you're still going to be in it for the long haul. <laughs> so I say, Lord, take us deep. 
And I see, Lord, there's probably a lot of stuff that there's probably, I know it. There's a lot of stuff that you've done in the room today that I haven't even pointed out or prayed for. I would say, Lord, that whatever you've spoken to people, whatever you've tried to remove them from or pull out of their life, I pray, Lord, we would just walk in it. I say no more, no more repetition in these cycles. I say some of us have cycles. I know some of us have cycles that our family has repeated. We're not going to repeat the same destructive, dysfunctional cycles that our family has repeated. That's only for a handful of us. But you know, those of you, you know what I'm talking about. You're not going to repeat the cycle that your mothers did or that your fathers did. The Lord's actually removing you from that and getting you planted and seated in family. And so, Lord, I love you and I honor you and I bless you. It's in your name we pray this morning. Amen. Amen. Can we give Jesus praise?